It looked like a three prong <laughs> metal hook on the end of a chain. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> on the end of a chain? <laughs> Yeah, He's like he was the, the zombie in, in a Cabin in the Woods? Yes, oh yes, God. very much that. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yeah. Yeah. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hola, papi. Hola, pa- papi. <laughs> <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> Isn't that what uh, Bobby Moynihan does in that David S. Pumpkins uh, thing? Oh, I think so. He's like, hi, papi. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh man it's uh it's been seven days since we did a podcast and i'm sure you guys got angry about something in oh, those seven me. days i feel like i'm taking crazy pills i'm as mad as hell you've never seen me very upset lord jesus lord jesus been one week it's been one week since you looked at me. Since um, you looked at me, I uh, have a, I have two rants. I'll go, I'll go quick. Can I go? Mm-hmm. Can I go? I can't see I'm, your faces. I'm very, very, can I'm I very, kick very, it? I'm very, very oh. uh, interested to hear about the, this one that you wrote in the email. So. I'll start there. I'll start there. Uh-huh. I, I have, I have this neighbor. I think I've tweeted about this neighbor. He's, oh, God bless him. He's ancient. He's. Uh, he lives in this house way behind mine. His driveway goes right by my house. His driveway is like half a mile long. Um, and whenever he's up mowing this strip of grass next to his driveway, he likes to stop and talk to my wife if she's outside gardening or just reading or what have you. And it's a little sometimes questionable to me, even though you know he's probably just a lonely old dude. But he mm-hmm. lives with like his kids, his grandkids, and his great grandkids. I don't know how big this house is, but it must be Damn. massive. Um, <clears throat> and he's just generally always mowing or digging around the driveway, or the way retired people are always just doing things, right? Mm-hmm. So I wake up a few days ago, and in my front yard, the only thing I can describe it as is a slaughtered turkey. Oh, Jesus. Um, Oh, now we get we get turkeys, wild turkeys uh, around here all the time. I I greatly enjoy seeing them and yelling at them. Um, But this is the first one that I have found mutilated. Um, And I even spent some time, I think, asking you guys or somebody, you know, what would kill a turkey? Like maybe a raccoon, maybe a badger. I don't know. Maybe a coyote, but I don't think we get a large wooden badger. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm like, all right, here's the deal. I I one time had a dead deer that was hit by a car up in the front of my yard near the, the street. And within a day and a half, the vultures and the nighttime creatures had eaten it all up and it was gone. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I figured that's what's going to happen here. right? Vultures all over the place. I don't need to do anything with this dead bird. I'll just leave it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like. Three hours later, I see old man neighbor with nothing better to do standing in my yard 
looking over this mutilated turkey. That's <laughs> 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 the I'm beginning like, of a horror movie. <laughs> I'm like, the fuck are you even doing? Like, well, how is this? Your, uh, granted, some of the feathers trailed back over towards this guy's driveway. And I was like, this is a little nosy. My, no one's out there for me to talk to. You're definitely on my property. Just Now, I'm saying this from inside. He can't hear me, but I'm like, get the fuck off my property. Mm-hmm. So the next day I look, he's gone. I'm like, all right, just a curious motherfucker. And I look back up a few minutes later, and the dude is out there with this long fucking murder hook. <laughs> and he scoops the turkey up with this murder hook and drags it through my yard to my driveway and then all the way down the rest of my driveway to the street and plops it right there in the grass next to my mailbox. What? I'm like, who asked you motherfucker? And who did you just help? This is such a Um, fucking violation, man. And I guess he thinks he's helping. He's already assumed I'm, too lazy to do anything about it which granted i was going to let the vultures take care of it but that's mm-hmm. not necessarily laziness if you understand no, nature. Yeah. and um you know maybe there's this i don't know maybe there's an ordinance where if you find carcasses on your yard and put them by the street <laughs> like couches people come and take them i don't know <laughs> but i can tell you what happened the next morning Half of that turkey was in my other neighbor's front yard, bloodied mm. and all, mm. and the other half was gone. Mm. So he dragged it there for, for no purpose. It served no purpose. Somebody came along and dragged that thing further into my other harmless neighbor's yard who didn't have anything to do with it and left it there by his driveway for him to drive by. And ultimately, well, I mean, two days after that, the vultures had rid it. And, and I'm just like, what was all this for, you nosy motherfucker? Yeah, I don't know. Huh. Huh. I anyway, mean, that's that's yeah. curious. That whole thing is curious. Yeah. It's I realize some people have a lot of time on their hands, but don't like don't make me put up no trespassing signs. I don't want to be that the, guy. What was the murder hook? Was it like what they used in Suspiria, the remake, where they were hanging that lady <laughs> up and everything? Like wait, I it, didn't see it. it what is like a murder a three hook? prong it looked like a three prong <laughs> metal hook on the end of a chain <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> on the end of a chain yeah in cabin in the woods yes oh yes God. very much that yes <laughs> Where you're gonna find out one day that those children great-grandchildren and you know grand, what grandchildren great-grandchildren aren't really his grandchildren or great-grandchildren there's gonna be some <laughs> other fucking thing that's you know it's gonna be you know, it'll be it'll be something fucked up. It's not. It won't be. It won't be normal. That's for sure. Oh my god! Just, I mean, stay out of my shit. Just get out of here. It's my dead turkey. It's on my <laughs> land. Yeah, capesies. I claim it. That's what I understand about it. It's it's totally not his. You know, his business at all. Like just no. You know, if you if you want to have a dead turkey carcass on your yard, that's your fucking right. <laughs> that's my right. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um I don't I don't have much of a rant, but I I was one thing that's disturbing to me, I mean I guess everybody runs into this when they're running when they watch YouTube videos is that the algorithm 
the algorithm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is fucked up in many ways, but I think one thing about it that upsets me, or not upsets me, but it it makes me go, oh man, this is this is how how people go down rabbit holes they shouldn't, right? If you watch one video that has any kind of idea in it that you're like, yeah, maybe I kind of agree with this sort of philosophy on this Mm. one topic, Mm. then you start getting videos that are a little bit more online with it, you know, like, like it, it, it starts getting into areas where you're like, I don't believe in in this kind of extremism at all. Mm. Um, and everything, So you know, like there's, I watch a lot of like stand-up comedy clips and things like that. And Dave Chappelle recently has been, you know, uh, sort of railing against woke culture and all that. Uh, and I watched one of his videos and, and then suddenly I was being suggested not only other Dave Chappelle videos, which is part of that algorithm thing, but other anti-woke things. Oh, like, no. You know, and, and I'm not saying that it was, it went to the extreme right away. It was just that there was a video here and there. Now I know for a fact, if I went to these other videos, I would suddenly start seeing even more suggestions. And then when you start going down that rabbit hole, suddenly I think YouTube and, you know, everybody, every other platform on the universe in the universe takes a look at what you're watching and they're like, well, we can pretty much pigeonhole you where you are politically. So let's start throwing, you know, fucking, you know, restaurant gate shit up there and all that other type of stuff. Mm. You know, it's, you know, I haven't seen pizza gate anything, but I'm just saying if I started watching a lot of these anti woke videos, that's where yeah. I would start heading. Right. Yep. Um, and, uh, and it's not just politically, it's, it's, it's conspiracy theory type stuff. I remember when I was watching Annabelle uh, comes home, I really wanted to see some, some real footage of Ed and Lorraine Warren. And, uh, and you know, there's a lot of like public access Ed and Lorraine Warren stuff on YouTube. Hmm. Uh, and they talk about, <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually fascinating to watch these, these things because Ed Warren is sitting there going, I challenge you anybody to go to the Amityville house and disprove anything we saw there and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh God, disprove. <laughs> How do you disprove? <laughs> um, but after I watched, after I watched like two or three of those Ed and Lorraine Warren videos, suddenly they were like, Oh, so you like stuff about creepy shit, right? All right. Well, here's some real stories from, you know, from uh, case files and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. That's not too bad. I'll watch the case file shit. And then you watch the case file shit. And then suddenly you're starting to get just full blown conspiracy theory, uh, things suggested in, in your, uh, you know, suggestions and everything. And I'm, I'm not, and, and for me, I'm, I'm, there's a line I won't cross. You know, like there's a line, you, you put the line there. I'm like, okay, that video I mean, it doesn't interest me. I, but I, but I think about like how many people out there don't have that line mm-hmm. and they see, Just and they watch over. a, they watch some videos that they kind of are into. And then the YouTube's like, well, you might like this. And they're like, yeah, I might like this definitely. And they watch that video and then it starts just becoming this small, like, just like a, you know, becomes a snowball by the end of it of you watching tons of conspiracy theory shit. This is, Mm. this is easily going to happen. 
uh, through, uh, through anything that you watch. So that's what I think I hate about the algorithm is that while it is excellent at picking out content that you might like, and I'm going to say it's probably 90% of the stuff that it tries to suggest to you, the other 10% leads you down this other thing that, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what the solution is to that problem because obviously YouTube is in the business to, get lots of views. So they, they'll throw all these different things out there for you, uh, just in case you might watch all these things. Um, and, uh, so I can't blame them from a business standpoint, but man, they need to, I think they need to tighten this up somehow. I don't know how they do it, but, mm. uh, it's, it feels like it's a huge problem to me. That is a much bigger problem than where I would have gone with the topic. And so I, I respect you more now um, and respect myself <laughs> a, a little less. I, As I was hoping all along. <laughs> I was going to say I bought a new pair of shoes three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and I have continued to get ads for the same pair of shoes that I already yeah. bought and also other shoes. And I'm like, do you guys not understand how shoes work like <laughs> like it's not right. a candy bar it's not something i consume regularly enough to to want to buy shoes every day like mm-hmm. put a little more intelligence there's so much money driven click driven shit going on in the algorithm that that common sense almost rarely cracks through and it's it's mm-hmm. sometimes humorous to me and sometimes it's just maddening to me you're taking up 10% of my screen right now with an app for something I already fucking bought. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> no, that's the most annoying of all is those, those type of things. You just bought something and then you get ads for that something. Oh, uh, God forbid you buy a car or you're looking for a car because if you mm-hmm. buy the car, you're going to get ads for that car that you've already bought. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the last time I bought a car, which was granted six years ago or so, maybe more, I almost, Within a few months, I started getting regular emails from them like, hey, if you sell us that car back, we'll give you a great deal. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? I, I <laughs> want to drive it a little bit first. Like, right. Put a that's human like, touch. That's like, uh, when I graduated from uh, Louisville, uh, I think it was literally two weeks later on, I got uh, a request, an alumnus request for a donation <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. fuck you, dude. Yeah, I'm, man. I'm 21 years old. Do you think I, I've been out of school for two weeks? Do you think I have yeah, money? Indeed. I swear they bundled that shit in with my first college loan paperwork. Like, you owe $33,000. Would you get some to us, too? I'm like, yeah, no. Eat me. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a more minor version of this uh, rabbit hole thing that happened. Uh, Cause it was, there, I've noticed in the past six months, three different times where if I were a different person, I would have gone down this rabbit hole. Um, I was watching a whole bunch of stuff with stand up comics coming back at hecklers and like the, oh. the great comebacks and everything. I was like, cool. I'll watch this. And I watched like three, four five of them. And, uh, and then, uh, one, I think it was from the same channel came up that said, all-time greatest comebacks in any kind of media whatsoever or whatever. So you see some of the classic clips where Seinfeld berates Larry King for suggesting that Seinfeld got canceled. I don't know if you ever seen that before. Hmm. Um, uh, it's so it's, it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, I think Seinfeld's kind of a dick 
in that um because because larry king's like well you you know you you canceled nbc you didn't they didn't cancel you right and and seinfeld's like you thought i got canceled oh yeah i have seen this yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and he's saying it in a funny way but you can see that underneath it he's got this how dare you uh think that i got canceled thing but anyway there's a whole bunch of these type of things any kind of media or whatever and then like in the middle of it there was the Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton debate where Hillary Clinton says that one thing. And Donald Trump says, Donald Trump says, Oh, because you would be in jail. And you hear all those people cheering and that's it. And I was like, okay, so you think that's a good comeback, huh? Hmm. You think that's, you think that's awesome. And then there was another one where some other, there was some other like right wing guy that was on a, on a news channel. He said something really fucking stupid, but I was like, are you saying that's a good comeback? I can't figure it out. And I'm like, if I if I continue feeding the monkey there, um, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be one of those mm-hmm. things where like it's just going to be oh, so you like that, huh? All right, well, how about the how about these videos? You know, how about this? You know, QAnon shit that we have on oh, here, Jesus you know? Christ. So wow. ah, that's what I that's what I, that's, I think that's what the, the scary thing about the algorithm. The same kind of thing happens for me whenever I'm watching porn. Mm-hmm. i want to stay pretty vanilla but the algorithm keeps dragging me to the dirty stuff it does the fucking algorithm (laughs) the dirty stuff brazilian (laughs) farting porn oh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) why brazilian i don't know it was on the front page one day and i was like what the fuck did that come from it's a little bit different from american farting porn i gotta say i don't want to deal with that hey learn to appreciate different cultures jeremy (laughs) right that's right (laughs) that's right Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right well i'm gonna i'm gonna close this on a positive rant i was going to rant about uh the state of rap the state of mumble Mm -hmm. rap Mm -hmm. but you know what i had a thought yesterday uh yesterday uh sunday i was driving around a bunch i had to do some errands i had it on the fm station the pop station and I didn't change it for the entire time that I was out uh, because the songs were really good. Mm. It had there was there was Harry Styles, Watermelon Sugar, which I really like. It's about the the eating of the pussy. Mm-hmm, You've got mm-hmm. uh, you had BTS's Butter. You had Billie Eilish doing her uh, her uh, Therefore I Am. You had Dua mm. Lipa and DaBaby doing that levitating song, which I absolutely adore. You had Olivia Rodrigo doing good for you. Uh, you had all kinds of wonderful, wonderful pop songs on here. And I was like, man, we're kind of, oh, I'll tell you what, Taylor Swift, uh, the cardigan. No, 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 no. It was, uh, what was the one that you like, Jeremy? Uh, is it cool that I did? Uh, Delicate. Uh, Delicate. That came on. I honestly think we may be living in a golden age of pop music. Uh, it's, it's hard for anyone to say that, especially during the time, but I think the, 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 the primary pop stars right now are doing stuff that is as good as like the Whitney Houston, Madonna, Prince, Michael Jackson days back in the eighties. Uh, and I think we're going to look back on this and be like, Dua Lipa is really, really good and has her own sound. Billie Eilish is a pop genius. And BTS or pop geniuses and Olivia Rodrigo really came on. 
And I am digging it. I am very much digging pop music right now. And I wanted to go on record in 2021 as saying, <laughs> this is a golden age. And I'll look back and probably laugh at myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm. no, there's some mm. good stuff out there, man. There really is. I mean, um, I, I, I've, I've, I've enjoyed pop music more than I have in the past. Uh, uh, and I, and I'm more of an alt rock guy who yeah. listens to that most of the time. So pop rock before this was, you know, eh, I didn't really like it, but you know, I mean, uh, some, a lot of this alt nation stuff and everything crosses over into the pop. Yeah. Yeah, like the glass an- is it glass animals that has that yeah. uh, song that you hear on the pop radio all the time? Yeah, glass animals for sure would be would be somebody that crosses over a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I I really uh, appreciate what we're what we're doing now. Like whenever I get ready, you know, horned up to do music video sends, um, you know, I I typically like uh, the music that we're sending, except for. The one that came out last week as this airs, the DJ Khaled featuring Little Baby and Da Baby and Baby Shark and Baby Bad Yoda. Baby. Bad yeah. Baby. Man, I, I saw, I saw, I don't know if it was that song or not. I know that there's a DJ Khaled song that plays on Epic Awesome videos. And, and I know that, I know that he's come out and said that I have to put that, we're the best music on everything that I do. Mm-hmm. But man, the look on his face when he does this shit in music videos is fucking annoying. Is that the it, one where it, he tries to eyeball fuck you? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I wrote a song about the best that. music? And then there's like a two-second pause on him like, I'm going to keep doing this in every fucking song. <laughs> the one Try I'm thinking about is I did it. I did it, I did it, I did it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Mm-mm. But... DJ Khaled aside, by the way, DaBaby is in that uh, 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 song video. And uh, I'm disappointed uh, because I really like that guy. I really think mm-hmm. like he's he's a lyrical rapper. He's not a mumble rapper. Uh, I really, really dig what he is doing. So uh, I may want to uh, check a little bit of this. So our main topic today is, uh, you know, uh, I went to the guys, I went to them and I said, Hey, Mm -hmm. we've talked about music before in, in movies and everything, but Mm. how about we talk about moments, not necessarily, Hey, what's our favorite score or what's our favorite song ever or anything like that, but songs and score that just make that moment in the, in, in the, uh, in the movie. And, uh, and so this is, I mean, there's probably be some overlap over some things that we've done before, but, uh, I think this is a different kind of topic. Like, I think you can like a score a whole bunch and, and, and maybe there's not like anything that, uh, in the movie that really stands out while I was sitting there thinking about this topic. I was thinking about back to the future where I was like, <laughs> I love the score to back to the future, but I don't mm-hmm. think there's any moment in that movie that makes me go where the score just makes me go. Oh yeah. That's what accented that scene so much. Um, and I could just be forgetting something. But, I don't know, uh, man, when he gets the, the DeLorean running and it's got Alan Silvestri, I think it is. It's, it uh, is. I, I dig it. But I mean, it's no, it's good. I'm just saying you could put any kind of, uh, exciting music, uh, on yeah. that and it yeah. would be fine. Probably. Uh, I think some, I think the, 
I, I don't know if this is how you guys thought about it, but uh, like putting, you, you can't really replace the thing that's in this uh, movie moment to uh, make it. Uh, and if you, if you, if you put anything else in this movie moment, it would change it a, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was, I agree with you. There are moments where the score in back to the future accentuates things, but it's not like it, it pulls me uh, through uh, in some way where it's just like, Oh, that's, that's just a moment right there that I really love. Um, anyway, so, uh, what are some moments, uh, that you guys came up with that, uh, really make that, uh, movie moment sing? I have mm. one. Mm. Oh, okay. I have my favorite one. So today I have for you, Adam driver, two ways. Uh, mm. but my first one is one of my all time favorite, um, moments of the 2019 movie season, mm-hmm. uh, in marriage story. Um, I went back and watched this again uh, after saying recently that that I I only watched it once. I love this movie. Absolutely adore this movie, even though for some people it's hard to watch. Um, But it's so very, very real. And Scarlett Johansson is terrific. Uh, But Adam Driver is the most one of the most naturalistic performers I think I've seen, especially Mm -hmm. recently. He's so authentic, even if you don't like his character. Um, and and you have many reasons not to like his character in marriage story. Um, he's pretentious. He cheated on his wife. Uh, he has, you know, a, a, a shitty excuse about why he cheated on his wife. Uh, he breaks walls. Uh, so, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on, but he's so charismatic. And, uh, towards the end of the movie, there's a scene at a restaurant slash bar. Uh, where he's kind of, he's with his theater company uh, and they're getting drinks and he's kind of moping, kind of telling them what's going on. Like, you know, my ex is taking my couch. I don't have a couch anymore, that kind of thing. Uh, but he's not really whining. In fact, he apologizes for it. And all of a sudden uh, the piano starts up and he just goes straight in to singing this Being Alive song, which is from Company, a musical called Company, written by uh, Stephen Sondheim. And uh, the, uh, it, he just goes right into it as he's singing at the table. And then he goes up to the microphone, and it's Being Alive. It's got a beautiful voice. Uh, and it's a powerful song that hits the nail right on the head. And he gets so emotional that he tries to sit back down. And he tries to, like, settle himself down. He can't. He can't help it. He goes back to the microphone and he's being alive. And Mm -hmm. that performance, that song, which I had never heard before, uh, and his performance of it is the absolute crux of that movie. Um, It's him admitting that, uh, you know, he didn't live up to expectations, uh, but he's got to find a way to go on. And it is a glorious moment. You guys have both seen this movie now, right? Uh, I saw it when it came out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jeremy, I'm telling you, man, uh, I know you've got a list, uh, but I think, I think you would, uh, appreciate this movie. I don't know if you would enjoy this movie. I mean, I think you would appreciate it though. All right. All right. But that, that scene will give you absolute fucking chills. Mm, Yeah. This is a great scene. This is one of the most memorable scenes in the movie for sure. Yeah, really. It really is. I mean, there's, there's emotions in this scene. There's beats in the scene. There's Laura Dern's in this uh, movie mm-hmm. and, and, and Ray Liotta's. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, 
<laughs> but man, this scene—it's uh, like the the dude's rug <laughs> ties the ties the movie together. Yeah, I can't believe they were able to afford four Ray Liotas in this movie. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's insane. That's insane. <laughs> it's also the scene uh, that a very misunderstood incident happened with Fresh Air, uh, the NPR show, when Terry Gross was interviewing Adam Driver, and she played him that song, that performance, and that's when he got up and left because he can't. <laughs> it's just a thing with him. He can't. Um, uh, watch or listen to old performances. Yeah. Interesting. Um, there's a, a moment at the end of the Bourne ultimatum where Ooh. Matt Damon jumps out into this water and he's feared dead. And uh, Julia Stiles is in like a cafe or something and watching the news because the news always tells you exactly what you need to know in movies. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the newscast says something to the effect that uh, the body wasn't found. So right at the moment that the newscast says the body wasn't found, Julia Stiles looks up in surprise and happiness. And that <laughs> Extreme Ways song by Moby. Yeah, yeah baby. It, that stinger comes in right at that moment. And uh, it just it gave the hair on my every bit of all the hair on my body just stood up uh, when uh, when that happened and it's not because it's so surprising to you the audience member even though that was the third born and there was i guess an, an idea that maybe there wouldn't be any others afterwards and all that but it's not so much that it's just her look she's going to be surprised she's going to be uh the one that's happy about this and that stinger from that moby song which is great of course they in the next uh, couple of born movies they uh i think they used some sort of cover that's not nearly as good as the as that song whatever you may think about moby that extreme way song is pretty badass especially moby's got some great shit man yeah Mm -hmm. i mean uh, and that one it's it's synonymous with the Bourne franchise you, you can't mm-hmm. not think about that's that uh that song when you think about uh born oh it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it fell apart <clears throat> um that's good shit um i am gonna talk for a minute about the star trek six undiscovered country movie mm. Mm. um <clears throat> this i have often said recently is probably my favorite of the original cast Star Trek movies. Um, And the reason this movie stands out, and I think the reason this is a very approachable movie for non-Trek people is that there's a mystery at the center of it. Uh, And it's a murder mystery and it's a whodunit. And there are some space battles and there's some humor and there's Kirk being on trial and going to this prison. But at the heart of it is this mystery that's really well written. It's not just throwaway cheeky shit. <clears throat> um, but it opens like no other Star Trek movie. It builds. It's got maybe four minutes of credits and it's space credits. And this is Cliff Eidelman, who I didn't know till I just looked this up. But mm. he is the, the composer of scores like one true thing uh lizzie mcguire's movie um (laughs) sisterhood of the traveling pants and yet (laughs) star trek six the undiscovered country it has a banger of a score and it opens the main 
main line of the bass is like this do 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 and i've sung this before on the podcast mm-hmm. and as that creeps in these other parts are like and then it ends with this massive orchestral and it stops oh my god all right, you're stealing my thunder. It stops right there. And then there's this massive explosion on the center of the screen, and a star explodes, and this purple wave of energy comes right at you. And I just love how the, the music has this foreboding, building thing that hints at this mystery, and it builds this crescendo, and then it stops, and you think, oh, all right, it's going to be quiet for a second. And then, no, it's this huge explosion right in your face. Uh, and I think the music build up to that one moment, despite Barrett's mockery and, and, and good mockery at that, uh, um, is a really, it really accentuates the start of that movie in a bunch of different ways. I did, love the shit out of it. <clears throat> did Goldsmith do all the other ones until that one? I'm sorry? Yeah, I think so. Did Jerry, Jerry Goldsmith, Goldsmith do all, the, all of them until six? I think so. He may have died before six. Mm, he no. he was around until like he the was two thousands. Yeah, he was because he was supposed to uh, do a. Uh, he was actually going to conduct the National Symphony uh, for his music, and I had tickets to go see it. And he died like uh, a week before I was supposed to go. Oh like, uh, wow, <laughs> dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's mean uh, very mean uh yeah so my favorite uh one of my favorite musical moments well actually there's a few of them in lost in translation uh chris mm-hmm. i think has talked about it before there's mm-hmm. that wonderful scene when uh, bill murray's at the strip club and uh, scarlett johansson goes to pick him up <laughs> and it's the pizza song he's like sucking on my titties like you want it gonna be. uh and and that's fantastic because it's perfect um but the karaoke scene is is yeah, this could be a heart of the movie type of thing beautiful. <clears throat> uh because you've seen scarlett johansson's character be mopey and be searching and be you know kind of uh deferential to her husband um, but when she gets on stage to do brass in pocket, uh, by the pretenders, uh, where it's like, going to use my, uh, going to use my leg. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you can see her personality coming out and her confidence coming out and it's just fantastic. And, and she's, kind of, she's got that pink wig on, she's pointing at uh, Bill Murray's character and everything. And you see why people fall in love with this, this woman for more than how beautiful she is. And then it's followed up with, as the, the party is kind of winding down, uh, Bill Murray's character doing uh, Roxy Music's more than this. I think it's Roxy mm-hmm. Music's, isn't it? Mm-hmm. More mm-hmm. than this? I, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. It's Rocky, Roxy Music. Um, it's more than this. And, and the way he sings it, man, is just, you know, Bill Murray has always been kind of a, uh, a crooner, uh, whether it's, you know, in, in SNL where it's like Star Wars, something with Star Wars. <laughs> um, but uh, the way he does more than this is almost just like, I, I don't mean to be too ethereal, but like a prayer. It's just like more than this. Just very, yeah. very, very calm and beautiful. And he's staring right at Scarlett Johansson when he sings this. And that 
is absolutely the crux of the movie for me. And I cannot imagine any other songs uh, being in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, James Horner did the Star Trek scores for Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock. That's who we were probably trying to think. Jimmy Horns. So Goldsmith did the first couple? <clears throat> no, uh, I'm not sure. Some Leonard guy did the fourth one. Um, I'm not sure. God, I Goldsmith. thought Goldsmith was the guy. I thought he was too. Maybe he just did the uh, He uh, definitely did First Contact. Star Trek Insurrection, Star Trek First Contact, Star Trek Nemesis. He did all the Next Generation cast. Uh, he um, was apparently the conductor, uncredited, on Star Trek The Motion Picture. I don't know what it was. Oh, and he did Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. So, okay. yeah, he did do a lot of Star Trek. <clears throat> yeah, I, so he did one of the main themes, I'm pretty sure. Um, like one of the, like maybe the... the oh, well, if he did... Uh, that motion picture has the theme of that one is what became the next generation TV shows theme. So he may have written that. Okay. Cause I know, I mean, I know it wasn't like James Horner all the, the whole way. Cause Horner didn't really start becoming a big uh, composer until the eighties, I mm-hmm. think. And then mm-hmm. the nineties is when he started really uh, coming through. But uh Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, there, he, this is a song. Jackie Brown, obviously Quentin Tarantino is going to make a lot of these, uh, <laughs> you know, these kind of lists, but there's a lot of, uh, uh, of, uh, places that I could pick for Jackie Brown, but I'm going to go ahead and go with across 110th street. Uh, the Bob, Bobby Womack song mm-hmm. when she's driving off, um, I mean, you could do it at the beginning too, but I think the end of it is where it's more poignant and everything because she has, you know, she has been, uh, you know, fucked over many, many, many times by a lot of different people. And now she's driving off with all this money that she was going to share 50% of with Robert Forrester at the end. Um, and Robert Forrester's like, you know, just can't leave his job can't leave i don't know i'll never understand this about right. robert forster's character yeah. fucking pam greer says hey come come with me i've got tons of money uh and we can just you know live on a beach or something for the rest of our lives and he's like nope i love doing this fucking bail bond shit um, <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird because he's totally in love with her like he's totally yes. in love with her yeah, I, don't, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. But uh, at the end of it, she gets in the car, she drives, and the cross 110th Street comes on, and she's singing along uh, with it at the end. And it and uh, I don't, I have not, I have not dissected all of the lyrics uh, of that song, but it makes it sound like that it's about someone kind of like her who has, uh, who's just been trying to make ends meet the whole time, and. Uh, and uh, and in this case, this is someone who broke out of that and is going to have what we think is a great life for the re- remainder of her days uh, because she's uh, she's she got away with it uh, at the end. And uh, and her singing that song and everything is sort of a, um, you know, a sort of a, a punctuation to the end of that movie. Mm. That's, mm, a, that's great a good pick. Call. That's <clears throat> a great. Oh, of course, oh. the. Uh, who, what is the the song that Robert Forrester is always playing 
Uh, oh yeah, the Delphonics didn't yeah. I do it. Babe. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. He just <laughs> listens to it on repeat. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and 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 what's so great is like every time he turns on the car, it gets right into the song. <laughs> yeah, <it's the> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's it's awesome. like it's like Samuel Jackson goes, "What are you into the Delphonics?" He goes, "Yep, they're pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> um i'm gonna go off script and i'm gonna go with uh, a moment in almost famous Mm. um and this is a moment basically of the band's greatest uh conflict Mm. where the t-shirts have come in and everybody except the lead singer is blurry (laughs) and so (laughs) <laughs> or no, everybody except the lead guitar player is blurry. The right. lead singer um, is uh, Jason Lee. Jason Lee. Lee. Uh, and he starts going off on Billy Crudup, and he's like, oh, don't listen to me. I'm just one of the out-of-focus guys. And they have this huge-ass <laughs> fight, and everybody splits up, and the kid reporter ends up going with the the guitar player, Billy Crudup, to this local party that these kids in Oklahoma are having. <laughs> um <laughs> And there's a lot of great beats in here. Where you want to feed? You want to see me feed a mouse to my snake? Yes. Uh, yes. I'm a golden. I'm a golden god jumping off the rooftop. He does a lot of drugs. Gets wasted. I'm on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and in the morning, the, they find out where he is. I assume the kid called him, and the, the tour bus shows up, and the, the manager, who's the best friend, comes in, and he's like, "We're going to get on the bus. We're going to finish the tour. We're going to have a great story to tell." And they get on the bus and everybody's just pissed and exhausted and hung over. And fucking Elton John's Tiny Dancer comes on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> this scene speaks to the magic of music, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. The right timing, the right singability of a song, the right popularity across genres so that even these up-and-coming Led Zeppelin wannabe rock stars would still belt out an Elton John tune. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts with one person, and then another person starts singing along. And by the end, everyone is singing and smiling, and no one has said a word to each other about forgiveness, but it's all there, hanging in the air. And you know that healing has happened yeah. over the group singing of a pop song. It's just one of the most beautiful scenes in any movie. Uh, but it's just it's everything about that choice. Then the, the way that that shot, uh, that moment just fucking sings, dude. What makes it even better is that it's not someone just at the very beginning starting to sing the song. It's just kind of in the middle somewhere of that, yeah. the, that thing where that it's the drummer or somebody just starts going looking back you yeah know? yeah and uh and mm. then and then you know it becomes contagious for everybody else to sing it um it, it, that is a that is a great moment that every time i see it i know what's coming i know it, the only thing about that like i mean that's another one that where the hair stands up on all like all of my arms and everything when mm-hmm. that when they especially when they're all singing together but I'm always pissed off at how quickly he cuts that shit off. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, guess it's because yeah, they have the, yeah. I guess it's because of the rights of the song maybe, or they just need to get on with it. Cause it is a fairly long movie as it is. 
but they, there's a point where you're like, oh my god, let's go through this whole thing, and then it's then it's you know it's him it and to uh, the Kate exterior Hudson. shot right of the bus. Well, it's him and, and then... Kate Hudson talking about I need to go home, and she yeah. goes, you are home. Yeah. And uh, and that's the end of the the, the sing along at that point. But uh, I love that scene so much. Isn't it Jason mm-hmm. Lee that's the the last holdout? Like everybody else is singing. And he's like, no, man. Yeah, and then so. when the chorus kicks, they're like, oh, how it feels so real. Yeah. And he's like, hold me closer, tiny down. Yeah, it's him and, and Crudup are the last two, I think, yeah. that finally mm-hmm. break and sing. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. That's good shit. I love it. Here's, here's something that uh, you don't usually hear on this here podcast. Mm. I'm going to praise Zack Snyder. Uh-oh. Oh, all right. <laughs> Here's the thing, All man. Right. Uh, there's a lot being Everybody said about. Knows. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> there's a lot that's said about his penchant for nailing opening titles, opening credits. Yep. Uh, people mention that with Army of the Dead. It, that is the high point of that movie. Is uh-huh. the opening titles? <laughs> it's but all fucking it, downhill from there, man. <laughs> uh, it, but isn't it really the blowjob that's the the high point of that movie? I haven't oh, even God. seen the movie, but it's all oh, I can ever God. be told about. Blowjob and then titles, and then just turn it off. Just turn you it off after job? that. Yeah, there's an inciting incident of a roadhead blowjob thing. <laughs> <Nice>. Roadhead. <laughs> I love how we have to distinguish between a regular blowjob and roadhead. <laughs> Look, they're different. <laughs> it's different. The, like, I joined That's right. It's the fear of getting caught. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyway, what uh, uh, Zack Snyder, what did he do uh, awesomely? Uh, well, speaking of roadhead, hang on. One second. Oh, uh, okay. One of my favorite openings uh, to The Sopranos ever is uh, I forget which episode it is, but it opens on Tony driving, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then you see this one of the girls from Bada Bing or whatever it is, uh, like pop up, and she's wiping her mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, uh, the opening titles. Now, it's not the opening of the movie because there's a whole thing with the comedian and everything. But the opening titles to the movie version of Watchmen is absolutely glorious. Now, is it slow motion? Yes. Uh, Is it a little overwrought? Sure. Um, But it presents this alternate history in such a way that it shocks you. Um, and it's, it's scored to Bob Dylan's, the times they are a changing and it's not cheesy to me. Uh, mm-hmm. you see like the death of, uh, the comedian and the retirement of, uh, Silk Sonic or, uh, evil owl or what's her name? Silk, Sonic and <laughs> evil owl. Silk Spectre, Silk Spectre, the first one. <laughs> I remember all the, uh, the names. Uh, but uh, you see like all the newspaper cl- clippings and everything. And then you see the, uh, the, the protesters putting a flower in the, in the gun barrel and then that gun barrel going off and it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, and then it's got all the, the stuff about Nixon being re- reelected. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, the times they are changing is a protest song, obviously. And it mm-hmm. was used in wonderful context <clears throat> back in the sixties when Dylan uh, released it. But, Using it in this dystopian alternate history is a brilliant move, I think. Uh, Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that opening sequence. We've talked about Watchmen before. I don't hate it. 
uh, but I don't love it. Um, and I do appreciate that opening sequence. And I think that song makes it indelible. Yeah. That's mm. a, that's mm. a highlight of that movie for sure. I've come around mm. on Watchmen over the years. Um, uh, I, when I first watched it, I think I was where you are now, Barrett. And mm. now if you, now, if you just give it more tries, you will definitely be where I'm at, which right. is higher, which is higher than you, uh, uh <laughs> enjoying this movie on a different level uh from anybody else yes i've joined the snyder bros you can't, can't hate me for that shit um no the the watchman's one of those movies i've come around on and i, I think it's because of the extended edition even though the movie's already fucking long as shit jesus anyway. next time i've got an extra five and a half hours or yeah right if you have five and a half hours you could just have nothing to do at all watch the extended version of the i'll tell you what that hbo watchman series gave for me uh Snyder's movie, a lot of retroactive love, like it lifted that movie for me um, mm. uh, by virtue of its greatness. Um, I would agree. I think I've come around on Watchmen more than any of the other ones. Um, yeah. No, that universe is so much fun to play in, especially in the way that they did and they contextualized the TV series. I want to go back and watch that thing again. Especially when Evil Al sure. and Sonic Supper have sex. <laughs> Sonic Supper. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I, just, I just imagine a big, huge plate like with a pork chop on it. <laughs> but it moves really fast. It moves really fast and it's got a cape on it. Um, all right, everybody. It's time to talk about better help. Yeah, better but help. Better help. You guys, um, you guys have heard us talk about this before. Everybody, everybody needs a little tune-up with the old uh, with the old noodle. Okay, uh, it's been a rough year. It's been a challenging time for a lot of people. Uh, you need to get your noodle worked on. Okay, go to BetterHelp.com/sincast, and you're on your way. Okay, BetterHelp is an online counseling service with licensed professional counselors ready to get matched with you. Within 24 hours of you signing up, all you do is you go to betterhelp.com slash syncast. Boom. A few questions about like, hey, how you been feeling lately? What are some things that you want to work on? Um, have you been worried about anything uh, recently? Have you been using substances more often uh, recently? And then you're off and running, man. Uh, they match you to a counselor that's right for your needs. All right. If you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling angry, if you're uh, dealing with... Um, any substance issues or anything like that. They'll match you to the appropriate counselor and then you're off and running. Everything is online. Everything is done from the privacy of your own home. If you want to, uh, you can do it on a train. You can do it on a plane. You can do it in a box (laughs) with a fox. Uh, You you could download it on your tablet, uh, on your phone. You could do text. You can do video uh, conferencing with your counselor it is the cat's pajamas, people. Uh, BetterHelp is my jam. One of my favorite uh, TV shows of all time, Frasier, uh, mm. deals a lot with mental health because both Frasier and his brother Niles are, are psychiatrists. And uh, <clears throat> Frasier is a radio psychiatrist, so he takes calls and, and you know tries to help people as best he can in the 30 seconds or what have you. But Niles is always making fun of him, saying that's not real psychology. Uh, and you know what? This is not that, you know, I think that yeah. it's, it's tempting to think of better help, 
um, just when you first hear about it as less than it actually is. These are licensed therapists. These are therapists you can see over and over again. This is not a call-in radio show for, you know, a quick pick-me-up uh, on your commute home. This is real help. This is real treatment. And, uh, you know, if you're willing to work at it, uh, we know for a fact that better help can, you know, help you get better. Yeah. And this is the new standard, folks. I mean, the the fact that you can do this from your own home, uh, the fact that you can message your counselor, you know, at any time, really. Uh, you can schedule things from your counseling room, things like that. I recently just watched um, the fourth season opener of uh, HBO's In Treatment, and it's all about uh, telepsychology, right? It, it's, uh, she's, the, the, the counselor's interacting via computer with her patient. Um, and that's, that's the way it's going folks. And that's kind of awesome. Uh, I've used this for well over a year and the ability to, to log in from, you know, the comfort of my own home is fantastic. I do put on pants, but you don't have to, if the, if the camera's high enough, um, <laughs> go to, <laughs> go to BetterHelp dot com h e l p dot com slash sincast you get ten percent off your first month uh that that first month is critical and we're not messing around we have we have fun on this show but when it comes to your noodle you need to take care of it you need to massage it uh go to betterhelp dot com slash sincast and start your journey today okay so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to score now and i've mentioned this scene many times i actually considered maybe not bringing it up but interstellars uh i think it's the main theme to interstellar hans zimmer uh did and it and it and it plays and builds during that big section of the movie where jessica chastain gets in an argument with casey affleck and then goes and burns the corn and then matt damon starts fighting matthew mcconaughey and sabotaging everything and then leading all the way to matt damon you know trying to uh you know, fucking seal the airlock and, and failing miserably and all that. But, um, <laughs> it's a great but, surprise though. Yeah. But it's a very, it's a very simple kind of score that just sort of swells up and everything. It's just this, I don't know if it's piano or what, but it's like gloom, 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 gloom. And it just goes like that for, you know, and it's, it's just kind of mesmerizing with what's going on screen and everything. And then it just starts swelling and swelling as it gets, you know, the, the action on the screen gets more intense. And I, I really do think it's a, such an accent on what's going on in the scene and everything you that's, that's the, the, the sequence of events that happens from that moment to the point of the Damon, uh, uh, you know, the Damon death uh, is, I mean, you'll look at the clock and go, how did 20, 30 minutes go by? And I just didn't even <laughs> realize it. Um, so it, it, that seems great. And I, I stumbled on a live version of it too, or I guess Hans Zimmer was doing a concert on YouTube. Nice. And, uh, and it's just, oh, it's just, it's a magical score. I know that interstellar, one of the, I mean, this is Nolan's trademark at this point is that his sound design is pretty fucking awful, I think. And unless uh, unless for some reason he's using like some very exacting equipment when he's mixing his movies and everything. And it's like if it if you have this exact thing, it sounds perfect. But if you go out into the world with it, it sounds like shit. Um, uh, 
you know, I mean, sometimes the score in that movie obliterates fucking dialogue as long. I mean, it's, it's just the way it's not as bad as like Tenet and, uh, and, uh, the mole, uh, the uh, Dunkirk, Uh, but yeah, it, it it definitely does at times. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that scene, I mean that, that scene in general, the whole, the back and forth that they do there is amazing, but I think that score is what really drives it. Mm, That's good stuff. So much. That's good stuff. Is it me? Yep. It's you. Ah, let's go with big, uh, Tom Mm. Hanks. I swear to God, I saw a headline this morning that said why Robert De Niro did not take the starring role in big. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's what you want to see. That's what you fucking want to see. Robert De Niro in that role. (laughs) What's funny about that is is De Niro. I think the one of the next movies that Penny Marshall did was Awakenings. Right after, oh, that. With him, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering what kind of like they must have like met each other at a party or something. Like you know, I really like Laverne and Shirley or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. how it goes. Um, <laughs> The perhaps the most famous scene in the movie is the scene I'm going to talk about, and that's where they play the floor piano at the FAO Shorts Toy Store. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, at the time the movie came out, you could go to a couple of different big cities and find an FAO Schwartz that had a floor piano and actually do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was a lot like those stairs from Joker, where there were people like lined up to dance on the piano and play chopsticks like the movie is kind of sick and depressing um anyway uh, in the movie it's just another moment of where where humanity can communicate and bond over a shared love of a piece of music and if anybody's ever taken piano lessons then you've probably learned you've definitely learned chopsticks you've probably learned heart and soul the first movie that they first movie the first song that they play that and there's just such a <clears throat> There's a wonder in that scene where we already know Tom Hanks is a kid in a big person's body. But for this one moment, the boss gets to be a kid in a big person's body Mm -hmm. uh, and be young again. It's just so much magic in that one scene. Uh, That's it's easy to see why it's the most famous scene in the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just think if you didn't have that underlying, you know, if they both found a I don't know, like a water gun started shooting each other. It wouldn't have that same magic. Which uh, is funny the because they've got a laser tag scene right before that, right? Where yeah, he's so like well, flopping yeah. on the floor and everything. But yeah, yeah, you're right. And Robert Loja is surprisingly light on his feet because when they have to do that jump, uh, the octave up to do that, it's perfectly in sync and it's framed beautifully. I love that scene. Yeah. I also not forget that that scene epitomizes like what it is to to move up in the corporate world because this motherfucker <laughs> hasn't had he's like a he's like a male person or some shit and he goes into the FAO Schwartz and runs into Robert Loja and then they have a little piano fucking duet together and suddenly he's goddamn in he's the like corporate office. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no wonder John Hurt is so angry. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. I think we pointed that out in the we did. in the sense videos like we did. he's a he's a dickhead but like he ain't wrong <laughs> he really isn't i mean it's insane that this fucker just suddenly gets all the power after a fucking piano duet <laughs> ah, jesus 
Oh, we can go a few more rounds, right? I'm having a lot of fun with this. Sure. Um, yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, I'm torn between my Adam driver or the next one. Okay. I'm going to do the next one and it's cheesy and it's kind of a cliche, but man, and I watched this again, probably for the sixth, seventh time Avengers Endgame the other night. And I swear to get now. I, I have been on record, and I continue to not really like this movie. I wa- It's very rewatchable, uh, but I don't like it. I don't like the time heist. I don't like Big Thor. I don't like. I don't like a lot of this stuff. Okay, but Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, mm-hmm. when when after the on your left thing where Sam comes out and uh, T'Challa comes out, everybody comes out. When you have that Avengers assemble. And then you have that. I'm getting chills right now. Mm-hmm. Also, Alan Silvestri, by the way. Yep. Um, that is just that is pure movie making right there. They know that they've got you by the short and curlies. They know that you're <laughs> that that this is total emotional manipulation. But God damn it, it works. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. it. I love that score. They overuse that score and especially that theme in that movie, but that is a perfect use of it. Perfect. And I love it. And I get hard every time I see Ooh. that, that scene. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. That's why I like so it. Good. I hear, I like now, hearing you talk dirty about the Alvin Silvestri score. Man. How does everybody have earpieces in? How does everybody hear Steve say Avengers assemble? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't care. It's just, it's just. I think magical. it's. I think it's assumed. I think everybody knows that's what he's saying. You know, like. Well, I guess so because on cue everybody goes. Rawr! Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what. I've said. I think I've said this before. Like you know, I mean that that moment. I that moment for me. I watched. You know, watched that in the theater. That moment for me was like, eh. You know, I mean, I knew this was coming. Yeah. This is not a big deal to me. Um, but for fans, I can see that being. Uh, you know, amazing. Uh, even though I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just fundamentally, I'm like at the end of that, at the end of uh, Infinity War, I'm like, oh my god, everybody's crying about these people. <laughs> you bitches, <sighs> crying about these people disappearing that we know are going to come back magically later. I mean, come on. I tell you um, what, you're, you're right because you know the the bigger moment to me, even though I just praised this moment, the bigger moment to me was a, a surprise when. Mjolnir went to Steve and he was like, mm-hmm. I knew it. That yeah. was chill inducing too, because he didn't expect that. That's uh, a great, that's a great moment for sure. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, all of that said, you know, watching clips of people uh, watching the movie, the full house of, of people watching the movie and that comes up, everybody cheering and everything always gets me. Yeah. Um, even though personally, if I popped in Endgame today and started watching it, I would watch that scene with, I don't know, uh, just indifference almost. <laughs> so, um, uh, but uh, I do like seeing crowds go crazy uh, over it. It's pretty. It's pretty fun. Mm. Um. Okay, I'm gonna go with Goodfellas. Uh, there's two. There's actually a couple of places I love the music. There's, I mean, Scorsese's just like Tarantino, or Tarantino's just like Scorsese uh, with his music choices. the The one that always gets me, though, that I think really makes that scene better is the is the Harry Nelson song um, 
uh, jump into the fire when Ray Liotta is on drugs and these uh, helicopters are chasing him and, uh, and, uh, he's got to go to, you know, he's got to, he's got to make that meal. He's got to see De- Debbie Mazar and give her a pickle tickle. He's got to uh, <laughs> get that girl's hat. Um, um, the, the, the Harry Nelson song is, you know, bam, 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 and um it's uh it really drives that whole scene until he's finally of course you know nabbed outside of his, on in his driveway or whatever uh there's another song and i i would love to know why scorsese picked this song because i'm not sure why but he picked donovan's atlantis for the billy bats beat down yeah uh you know he's way down below the ocean mm-hmm. yeah where i used to be and they and they're beating the fuck out of him and i'm wondering if he just chose that song because it's it's a counterpoint to what's going on on screen or if there's some a meaning that scorsese's found in that song that he's you know this is uh, this is the ideal beatdown song for that's this guy. uh yeah that's a good point because normally it does kind of sync up with the mood of the normally his stuff you know mm-hmm. usually rolling stone stuff uh syncs up with the mood of the 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 scene you could maybe say the same thing for for the layla at the end yeah um where it's just you know it's that peaceful da, 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 da. uh but yeah no that is an interesting point i love me some donovan by the way yeah yeah me too um but uh yeah though i there there are so many choices in good fellas but those are the two that always stand out to me every time I watch that movie. That driving scene, man, I'm convinced Ray Liotta was actually on cocaine. I know, man. <laughs> like, almost like, how could he not be? It makes you feel, as the viewer, like you're on cocaine. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go off, off script again for one that I just uh, saw yesterday, and it connected with me in a way I hadn't realized. It had been run in uh, Brokeback Mountain again on Showtime, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which is a movie I very much enjoy watching, despite... I mean, I usually turn it off before it gets, like, really tragic, yeah. uh, even though the whole thing's tragic. Um, but there's, there's so much gorgeous cinematography and music and subtle acting work. Anyway... Um, after they've done their first year of broke back, their only real year of actually hurting the sheep and they've gone their separate ways. Um, he knows that Ennis is going to go get married, um, Heath Ledger, <clears throat> and he's at this rodeo and he sees, uh, Anne Hathaway being hot shit <clears throat> and they start dancing and the song they're dancing to. I don't know. I haven't been able to Google it. I didn't think of this until just now while we were talking. But the lyrics, I know for sure, she sings, No one's gonna love you like I do. No one. No one. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, every now and then, you know, for the most part, I like to think a lot of the music choices come down to, well, what can we afford? What can we get permission to use? But I don't give directors enough credit for how the lyrics of a song might play with the themes going on because that is exactly what she is to him. No one's ever going to love him the way she does. It's not the way he wants to be loved, but it's, it's a love he doesn't necessarily deserve. And eventually both she and he know it. 
Um, and no one's going to love Heath Ledger the way Jake Gyllenhaal does. Just feel, I feel like that song choice and that lyrical moment playing over the dance is intentional and is not just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really underscored everything about that movie for me. It's the first time I've ever really paid attention to it. Um, but I thought, I thought that was a really good one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. That's a great pick. Is that Ang Lee's best movie? Uh, for for me it is yeah i, I love sense and sensibility i love crouching tiger hidden dragon but i don't think he's i think this is him at the top of his game i think i think it is although i don't know there sense and sensibility and uh and the ice storm is in there too ice storm is um, great yeah yeah, yeah. um crouching but, tiger uh, hidden dragon holds up so well too yeah um, it's really and, really good yeah. So, and not to mention Hulk, we've got to talk about Hulk. <laughs> I I Listen, like Hulk. I like Hulk. I <laughs> no, like Hulk. I like it too, but it's not going to go against those four movies. <laughs> no, it's not. Seen... I'm not even saying it's great. I just like it. I've never yeah, seen yeah, Lust yeah. Caution. I don't even know what that's about. Uh, um, but I uh, think I may have long ago, but I don't remember it. But yeah, I think I think this may be the top of his game. And you're right, that's a great moment. All right, everybody, it's time to talk about NordVPN. Oh, Nord! Oh, oh, this is good. Listen, folks, you need a VPN, okay? Don't don't mess around with this anymore. Don't fiddle-fart around. You got to have a VPN. It's not safe out there, people. It's, It's simply not safe. You need a secure internet. You need to be able to block your IP address. Uh... NordVPN is the thing for you. That's the way to go. Of all the VPNs out there, you want Nord, okay? N-O-R-D. It gives you secure internet. uh, More secure than you've ever been in your entire life. It's fast. It's lightning fast. I was on it today. I popped on to a server in Australia, Mm. and it was Mm. glorious. It was glorious. Mm. It was fast. It was lightning. Uh, It's uninterrupted streaming if you want to do that. You get privacy on the go when you uh, download the app on your phone. Uh, there's VPN servers literally everywhere in the world. Like I said, I just popped over to Down Under and, and got my VPN on uh, within seconds. <laughs> Badass. Uh, you can protect your data nonstop. You have a dedicated IP address, at, but it masks your computer's IP address. You get double protection. Uh, you can change your IP twice and cover your web traffic with an extra layer of security. You block malware and ads. You can do browser extensions with NordVPN all up in your business, right? They got 24-7 support. And let me tell you something, guys. I, you know, I hadn't used VPNs a lot before I started using NordVPN. And it's the tits. It's so good. It's so fast. It's so secure. It's awesome. Here's what you can do, folks, listeners, people that that have me in your ears. Okay, here's what you do. Go to nordvpn.com slash syncast, okay? Or you enter the promo code syncast in there, okay? And you get a two-year plan plus one additional month with a huge discount. It's huge. Mm. It's mm. huge. Mm. NordVPN, guys. Promo code SENCAST or go to nordvpn.com slash SENCAST and you're going to get a huge discount. This is the thing that you need up in your business, folks. You need a VPN. Do it now. Nordvpn.com slash SENCAST. All right. Oh, yeah. One more round. How about that? One more round? All right. Sure. Okay. Yo, this is, but it, you know, I think we talked about sexy moments uh, fairly recently. 
Um, and this is a sexy moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it involves John Travolta. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. Um, when Vincent Vega gets to Mia Wallace's house in Pulp Fiction and he mm-hmm. reads the note, come inside and make yourself a drink. And all of a sudden, the Dusty Springfield son of a preacher man comes on. Yeah. And it's perfect for this moment. Vincent's wandering around. You see Mia's lips just, you know, talking to the microphone to be down in two shakes of a lamb's tail. And he's mm-hmm. just kind of going by the African fellows and then getting himself a drink. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's such a warm blanket of a song and a scene. And I could watch it over and over and over again. I know every, you know, those songs where, you know, every drum beat and every mm-hmm. bass note and every guitar note and all that stuff. I know every little bit of that song and I love it. And it's yeah. perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a great moment. It's, it definitely gets you into that sort of like, yeah, this is, this is sort of like, let's go out after this. This is, well, little, this is yeah. you know, and I do like like you said with Almost Famous. I hate that she does the record scratch. Let's go! Yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh, no! <laughs> that song is so good. Oh yeah, she was. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. This is this is not necessarily uh, long, or is or 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 um uh, in, encapsulates the entire scene or anything. I'm really big about stingers for some reason. I, I love those kind of thing. I like violins, like creepy, creepy, crawly violins a lot and everything. Um, uh, I think, I think jaws like during that scene where, uh, you know, Brody is, uh, just figuring out that there might be a shark out in the ocean and everything. And it's that, you know, vertigo shot and everything mm-hmm. that has a, that has a great stinger to it, but there's another one in ghostbusters. Um, when that, you know, they're, they're calling for the, uh, the destructor or whatever. And Dan Aykroyd, you know, thanks to the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And, uh, they all go run to see what it is. And, uh, and, uh, you see, you know, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man's like, uh, head walking through, you can see him amongst the buildings or whatever. And you're just kind of like, what the fuck is that? And there's this stinger thing. I think it's violins where it's like, like that um, as it, as he walks through and then, and then, you know, Dan Acker is like, it's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And then that, (laughs) (laughs) the the music, (laughs) the music uh, accompanying his stomp around Manhattan and everything is great too. Elmer Bernstein, who, did probably every comedy movie that you love from the eighties. Oh, he's so uh, good. He's so good. He really is. Um, uh, you know, but it's that stinger, man. It's something about it. That whole scene is shot so well. Um, it could fit like in a horror movie. Um, hmm. and, and, and it's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's definitely a comedy. They're definitely going to have comic relief, uh, immediately when they show something like this, but the way that shot is just and uh, is great, and that little stinger really helps it out. Hmm. Hmm. Very that, good. Do you think that counts, or did I cheat? No, that's no, perfect. that's good. That's good. I mean, <clears throat> there's there's a million of those. That score is indelible uh, mm-hmm. to that whole thing, uh, and. <laughs> The score is, but also the soundtrack, man. Like the mm-hmm. cleaning up the town is so perfect. 
yeah. believe it's magic magic yeah <laughs> yeah like yeah, uh exactly. even the even the theme the ghostbusters mm. uh thing is perfect uh, please please <laughs> Please, it's magic, magic. <laughs> I believe it's magic. Um, I'm gonna end this uh, with uh, a movie I rarely talk about: with the talent of Mr. Ripley. Oh shit! You never talk about this movie. <laughs> uh, I, I, I am going to be talking about a moment I have not talked about before, so uh, bear with me. Uh, <clears throat> mm-hmm. About halfway through the movie, after he's killed Dicky and gotten away with it. And he started impersonating Dickie and gone to the opera with Kate Blanchett. And then he's back to being Tom and had coffee with Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> There's this montage of him getting an apartment, um, playing the piano, decorating for Christmas, opening, opening Christmas presents that he got for himself. <laughs> uh, and this is all right before Freddie knocks on the door and ultimately gets killed. But they the they put two or three Christmas carols. You hear choirs that are ostensibly either outside or just to set the mood, and they're singing various parts of Silent Night. Mm-hmm. So like, and at the same time, you hear the song he's playing on the piano, and it's very uh, dissonant. Uh, the, the combination of Christmas carols and this boppy classical piece that he's playing, it's very unsettling. Of course, I think intentionally so because he's behaving as though he's made it. I've figured this out. I've got this under control. And within five minutes, he's going to have to kill another person just to keep his lie. Mm. Um, and so I think that's no accident that they overlapped these different pieces of music in that scene to sort of suggest uh, not everything is as cozy and comfortable as it seems. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I love every frame of that movie, but uh, that's one section I have not ever talked about before. Cause I always, I, when I first started falling in love with the movie, I always wanted to, I want to hear one of them, shut up other piece of music. I want to hear what this piece <laughs> of music is doing. And then as I, I've, I've fallen more in love with it. I realized, Oh, that's the point. I'm supposed to be uncomfortable here. I got it. What, uh, what else did Anthony Mangala Mingal- do? English patient. Oh, English patient. Yeah, English patient. Any any other? He did. I think he did Mister Wonderful too. One of the, he did one of these movies. Like it's like what he did that. Um, and he, he died a while cold, ago, right? He did. He, yeah, yeah, and he did Cold Mountain. I'm pretty sure too. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But that yeah, I mean, only talk nine about, credits. I mean, the talented Mister Ripley is certainly. Did, well, I think he, is, did, is, he is. did do Mister Mister Wonderful as well. Nice. nice. Uh, he did a movie <laughs> called Truly Madly Deeply, which I think is something that was a big deal uh back in 1990 but i, I never saw it uh because it's got uh, alan rickman in it and everything but uh, yeah he's got i mean you're right talented mr ripley is just absolutely brilliant from start to finish and i think a lot of it is the mood and the setting and the direction and and things like that so i think he hit his nadir there there's a uh there's a piece of score um that they play throughout, which is uh, during the, the how's the peeping and everything that I've mm-hmm. grown very fond of. Because <laughs> um, uh, we've heard that many, many times. I've just heard it a million times. But, I just, <laughs> but, they, but the thing is, the movie itself does that score over and over and over again, yeah. too. Uh, but that cling, 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 cling. Tommy. Um, <laughs> how's the peeping? 
Does anybody have any recommends and warns? No. Totes amaze balls. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. <laughs> hey, mm, hey, I got questions? one. I got one. I got mm-hmm. one. Oh, another David S. Pumpkins reference. Yep. Uh, okay. 2001. This movie comes out called America's Sweethearts. Yeah. Remember this one? I do. Uh, I didn't see it. It's hot shit. I didn't see it either. I don't know why, because I've seen, I think, every other John Cusack movie ever made. Uh, but it, it's got Johnny Cusack in it. It's got it's got uh, Julia Roberts in it. And it's got uh, Hank Azaria. And it's got Catherine Zeta-Jones. And those are the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the four mains, right? And it's got Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And so the the conceit is that uh, John Cusack's character and Catherine Zeta-Jones have made many movies together, and they were a couple, and people went to see their movies because of their Brangelina type of relationship. They they enjoyed seeing that translated on screen. Now they've broken up, and Catherine Zeta-Jones' career has gone in the shitter. And -hmm. John Cusack freaked out. And went to some sort of hippie commune to, to heal Oh, himself. my God. This movie. <laughs> <clears throat> All I had heard about this movie was that it's hot shit. Mm-hmm. Like, like bad hot shit. Not like hot shit. Uh, and so I've never watched it. It's got like a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and the wife watched it the other day. Not bad. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Occasionally mm-hmm. very funny. Uh, it's, it's got not only Billy Crystal, who's, who's really doing his best Billy Crystalisms. Uh, it's got, uh, Christopher Walken as the mercurial director. Uh, it's got Stanley Tooch, the Tooch in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the cons for this movie is that it's a collage of every John Cusack movie ever made. Mm-hmm. You've got John Cusack in the rain. You've got John Cusack pining over the lost love of Catherine Zeta-Jones, shades of high fidelity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. You've got Alan Arkin as a therapist (laughs) giving him advice. (laughs) Which I was like, the fuck, dude? (laughs) Like, I mean, how on the nose can he get? Uh, And and you've got him acting kind of his regular John Cusack way. But it's it's also kind of funny. And it's in Julie Roberts and him. Uh, uh, get together and everything. The, the the problem is they have zero chemistry together. Catherine Zeta Jones and John Cusack have chemistry together, but they they he he loves Julia Roberts, uh, mm. which you know how could you not? Uh, but there are times in this that I uh, I think it's fun. The 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 pro of this, by the way, is the inside movie business. Uh, mm. they're doing a press junket for their next movie, and Billy Crystal has to make that happen, so they do a junket. Uh, or as Hank Azaria's Spanish character says, a hunket. <laughs> uh, he calls it a hunket. I'm going to this hunket uh, <laughs> yeah, because he's Spanish and he speaks weird. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it, it, it. You see all the they go through this run of all the different uh, interviewers, but much like what happened yesterday with Rennie Harlan. Like he's, they're like, Hey, good morning, Utah. And like, here's from New Mexico and this is LA, this is ET. And it's this collage of everything. And you can see John Cusack's character is just like, 
I'm going to start fucking with these people because I'm saying the same thing over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a little bit of inside baseball stuff there that I appreciate. Uh, it's not as bad as you may think. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Hmm. This is a movie that I was warned against many times back in 2001. (laughs) And, uh, uh, I, I, I put it in the same category as serendipity, uh, is another movie that I was, I was given a lot of warnings about, Although serendipity has become the uh, go-to romantic movie, like <laughs> over the years, like like it seems like everybody loves it somehow. But wasn't that the fuck same that year? movie? <laughs> yeah, I don't. It may have been. I, I don't think know. that was two thousand one, wasn't it? Fuck uh, that movie. Sure. <laughs> I don't remember. So you don't like America's Sweethearts? I, I take it, uh, Jeremy. I saw. I'm talking about serendipity. Uh, I saw America's Sweethearts once in theaters and I hated it so much. I've never gone back, but maybe I need to give it another look. It's, Mm. it's, it's adorable. It's not anything Mm -hmm. groundbreaking, Mm -hmm. but it's, uh, Mm. it's, it's an easy watch. And and you know, it's not, you know, it's not adorable. Raya and the last dragon. Yeah. Oh, Oh, really? This is the new, uh, Disney shit, right? Um, yes. Um, and I know Dicer likes it. Apologies, Dicer. And uh, it's got like a 70-something on IMDb. I don't Seven-something. I don't fucking know. Uh, most people seem to like it. This movie bored the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, it bored the fuck out of my wife. Uh, mm-hmm. I started making sin jokes. And I turned to her and I said, I'm sorry. I'll stop. And she said, no, I don't like it. You can keep going. Um, and that's, <laughs> Did you already write half a script for it? <laughs> that's pretty bad when my wife doesn't want me to shut up when we're watching a movie um it's ah it's just first of all none of the humor works for me we've got aquafina playing uh, a wacky dragon doing somebody told her to do uh the genie from aladdin um but with the smokiest aquafina voice she could possibly muster Mm -hmm. and not a single joke of hers lands for me not one she's not funny in this movie it's not maybe her fault maybe it's the script um it just felt like very paint by numbers we don't have to put much thought into these characters we just put these characters in the situation so there's a big brutish guy with one eye who doesn't have a big vocabulary and just wants to fight there's a there's a little con artist baby with a band of monkeys that that pickpocket nobody ever bothers explaining why a baby can also do ninja stunts. The baby just does ninja stunts and then mm-hmm. cuckoos and you're supposed to laugh at it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the movie opens with what is a very cool looking animated sequence. I'll give it that. Uh, but it's a, a, a an eight minute exposition dump. And then it opens on Raya doing this Indiana Jones-esque temple break in. And everything they told me in that exposition is told to me in the next 10 minutes again. Hmm. uh naturally in conversation uh so the the whole first eight minutes are unnecessary uh there's this message about being family again um you know basically the in the time of dragons they all split and they used to be one land and one people and now they're all fractured and we need the dragon magic to make us stop hating each other what is, again what is essentially the by the way with dragons having they were together once and now the, there's all, every dragon movie and yeah. anything with dragons involves this they were separated 
they need to find their family again or they need there's only one left yeah 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 what is the deal i don't know i don't know what's the deal uh, with dragons (laughs) what's the deal with dragons I was absolutely uncharmed by this. It was highly predictable. Um, and its attempts at laughter did not make me laugh. And I was disappointed because, as my wife and I both said, I felt like it had promise. I felt like it had, I had a decent idea at its heart, but it couldn't decide if it wanted to veer into Wreck-It Ralph jokey territory or if it wanted to veer into slightly more serious Beauty and the Beast or uh, Mulan type territory and it ends Mm -hmm. up trying to do both and doesn't stick the landing on any of it for me so there you go everybody who loved it you're right i'm wrong sorry but i I am the last one this movie there you Mm -hmm. go i'm the last one uh, was was this available on disney plus or did you have to pay for it it was but we waited we we didn't want to pay for it thank thank goodness we didn't Uh, but it has now become available on disney plus all right all right well i'll avoid that there you go. That's my, I mean, everybody seems to like it, but us. But I can't. I can't recommend it to the audience because I didn't enjoy it at all. No, so mm. I have to warn it. Um, I am. I guess because we, I don't think we're doing a mini pod on this, but I'm going to warn the Conjuring. The devil made me do it. Oh, it's uh-huh. not good. Uh-huh. No, no James Wan on this one, although. Uh, I mean, it's a reasonable facsimile of a conjuring movie. Huh. Um, uh, but I, I think it, I don't think it, I don't think James Wan could have helped us either. I mean, there's, this is getting decent to positive reviews. Yeah. I don't know why I really don't. I, I, I give up sometimes, uh, on why people like certain things like this. This is the same demon movie we've seen every other fucking time in the last 15 years. Hmm. Um, the, the, it's, it's always the same shit. Yes. There's this time, there's just the slightest bit of a wrinkle to it. Um, but I just, every time I watch one of these, I'm like, Oh, so the, the, is the demon. We always are trying to figure out, is the demon just fucking with them? What is the deal? Yeah. Uh, with all of this why does this keep why do they why is it when why is it when they seem like they're completely possessed they can be totally fine for you know days or weeks afterwards (laughs) what's the deal with demons yeah exactly (laughs) um uh but in this one the story is uh is you know uh there it starts off with this little kid who's possessed and Ed and Lorraine Warren have been called out there because, you know, they get rid of that shit. Ed and yeah, Lorraine Warren news gets, news gets around fast. Um, and, uh, there's a, there's an exorcism. The priest is there. And, uh, and in one of those moments where you're just like, how, what? I don't even know what the fuck I just saw. Uh, this kid's brother or some, I don't know if it's a brother, but it's, it's somebody that lives in their house or whatever this kid's brother or whatever goes up to him and goes, take me instead demon, blah, blah, blah. And the demon actually does fucking leave the kid. And I guess goes into this guy, but then it's like another, I don't know, several months later or something like that. And then, uh, uh, suddenly, you know, he, um, he sees his, he starts seeing all these visions. He sees his girlfriend dancing with this guy that he works with and he starts getting jealous or some shit. And, uh, ends up stabbing this guy like 20 times or something like that. 
and you see this in the trailer where he's walking down the street and the cop pulls him over or cop pulls over and he's like you know he's got blood all over him and he's like mm-hmm. i think i hurt somebody um you know they ed and lorraine warren are like basically they they tell the lawyer um they tell this they tell this dude's lawyer like we need to we need to uh defend this guy by saying there are really there's really a devil uh you know and that you know that we will present evidence yeah and the lawyer is like the lawyer's like you have proven this to your church but you can't prove this in a court of law which is a lot of the things that we were talking about in the exorcism of emily rose yeah it sounds uh, very similar actually right and uh and uh there's this i hate i hate this i'm sure it gets great big laughs when people watch this but uh ed 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 and lorraine warren are like come to our house i'll I'll show you annabelle and then then we'll see if you want to do this or not so you're you think oh they're gonna take her and annabelle's gonna do some fucked up shit and the lawyer's going to be like you know oh okay i see now there's really demons but instead of doing that they cut straight to the courtroom and the lawyer is like, like got this look on her face. Like, Oh my God, the horrors that I've seen. And I'm sure, I'm sure it gets great big laughs, but it makes no fucking sense. Did they really, did they really take her to the house and then like let Annabelle out of the fucking cage? <laughs> She's running and, around. Doing <laughs> yeah, was, there, was there a whole movie we didn't see here where the lawyers being chased around? <laughs> she's chasing around the house and then she's like okay i get it already i don't know put her up up. (laughs) and um so yeah that's the whole thing like ed and lorraine are are, uh you know trying to figure out because they 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 find a case that has some of the has similar uh um i guess similar things that happened in another case uh in some other place that's also in wherever they're living i think it's like massachusetts or something uh and uh and there's a whole big thing where uh, lorraine goes out to a, a murder site that uh these cops are like trying to trying to trick her she says that she has psychic abilities and uh and and they and they do a lot of things to test her but of course she always comes up with the right answer and because she's magic or whatever <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, she, she sort of learns through, you know, through whatever osmosis or whatever the fuck it is that, uh, that, uh, you know, what happened in this other murder case. And it's, here's another thing they said in this other murder case, they're like, she's in, she's in the water. There's this, there's this big, huge reservoir, big dam and everything. And, uh, and, and it's a missing person that they've been looking for. And they're like, she's in this water. And so like the next scene, the cop comes up to her and goes, we dragged that thing twice and never found her. And it took a lot to get the third time or whatever, but I, I'm glad that you came along so that we could find this person. I'm like, well, what two drags? You couldn't find this fucking person. Like just, I, I, <laughs> and, and the third one was magic. I guess that could happen, but God damn it. It's just one of those things where you're just like, fuck you movie. And, um, and so, yeah, they're just trying to find evidence. Meanwhile, the whoever's responsible for the demoning that's in this movie is fucking with Ed and Lorraine and they have to deal with it. And, you know, it, it, it culminates in this, you know, uh, run around this underground passageways that Rambo made in the last Rambo movie. <laughs> and, and, um, the crossover event. 
Yeah, it's the crossover event that you've been waiting for. And uh and uh I, I just again these 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 demon antics, they don't they don't work for me anymore. They don't work. I know that I mean I went to I went to see Quiet Place too, and people are jumping at shit that are should be fucking obvious uh, from the moment the scene starts. But uh, so I guess it still works for a lot of people. All this, you know, demon comes out of nowhere, uh, knocks a book off a shelf, or whatever the fuck it is that that's uh, that's so fucking scary. Um, but uh, yeah, I, that, I I liked the first Conjuring, and I liked the second one okay too. But this third one, man just a lot of the same shit we've been seeing with all the other conjuring verse movies that have been going on, you know, this whole time. So anyway, Jesus, who plays Lorraine? Jesus. Is it Vera Farmiga? Yep. Yep. Oh, God bless her. Hey, how old is Vera Farmiga, Chris? Uh, she is 47, 76. She's 47 or 48. I think she's yeah. born 73. So Patrick Wilson was born in 73 as well. They're both the same age. Wow, they both look really good for, I mean, it's not like they're old, but like for their age, they look amazing. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, fuck both of them. Oh, yeah, definitely. He He's the one, he played Evil Owl too, didn't he? Didn't he play Evil Owl? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> he did indeed. <laughs> with, the, with the boner problem. Yeah, the so boner problem. <laughs> Until you play Leonard Cohen, then he had the <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, by the way, uh, as a, as an aside, I'll, I'll go ahead and go back over what we, we just, um, uh, recommended and warned and whatever, uh, Barrett, you wreck a warned America sweethearts. Yes. Yeah. And I wreck a warned it. It ain't, it ain't gonna, you know, smack you in the face with greatness or anything, but it's a good watch. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Jeremy, you warned, uh, Raya and the last dragon or Raya and the last dragon, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, I, uh, warned the conjuring, the devil made me do it. That was, a uh, someone on Facebook has, has been saying that we should say the title of the movie after the synopsis. Does that work better for everybody else out there? Or does it, is it better for, for us to summarize it after we've done all of the synopses? I would like to hear mm. what you want to what you want to say. I would like to hear what you say about that. Before we log off, real quick, I want to mm -hmm. I, I may mm -hmm. intersperse this in here, and I want to do a, a quick PSA for our interview stuff. Uh, just real quick, you people, if you don't listen to our interviews, uh, you're missing out because we talk to some amazing filmmakers, writers, uh, directors, actors, uh, all kinds of stuff, but. The one that just posted fairly recently uh, before this comes out uh, is with Rennie fucking Harlan. And that's his full name. Rennie, Rennie fucking, fucking Harlan. Harlan. Mm -hmm. uh, director of Die Harder. Mm -hmm. Die 2. Die, <laughs> die 2. Die Hard 2. Um, mm -hmm. Cliffhanger. Long Kiss Goodnight. His new movie, Misfits. He is an absolute delight and he's got one of the best voices ever. He's got stories. <laughs> he's got a story about Deep Blue Sea and the shark eating Samuel <laughs> L. Jackson that you have to hear. So even <laughs> if you don't listen to our interviews, listen to that one. It's awesome. Yeah. I uh, it's That's one of those days you wake up and you're like, holy shit, we're actually going to talk to Rennie fucking Harlan? <laughs> RF, so RFH in the flesh? That's right. That's yep. right. 
yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoy doing these interviews. I really love getting into the nitty gritty about what people are thinking when they're doing these movies and what, uh, what was behind, uh, certain scenes and everything like that. So yeah, uh, go to, uh, Syncast presented by cinema Sins on Facebook. Also mm-hmm. go to cinema Sins Twitter, uh, music video Sins Twitter, we're on SoundCloud. We're on Discord. If you want to get on Discord, you can go to Facebook and private message me and give you a link there. But that's going to do it for this episode. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Hang on. Did I say double penetration? You sure did. Hmm. I was going to ask hmm. about that. Hmm. It's double protection. Uh, <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Might need to correct that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Certainly actually can. wrote a note. <laughs> ask about. Ask Barrett about DP because I. <laughs> I heard you say double penetration. There's no question in my mind. You, what's funny is you said it. I thought, but I thought the boy, the brand has really got to rethink that because that's a bad talking point. And then you realize it's you read it. Yeah, but I thought he read it so confidently. It was like just came right out. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's very weird to see you guys as Harry and the Hendersons. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> I'm I watched Harry that movie. Anza. A uh, a disturbing <laughs> amount of times in my youth. <laughs> we need Did to, they make a show? I need to make. Uh, I need to. I need to have a band name just called Harry Anva and just end it. <laughs> no, metal as fuck. <laughs> They're like, and the what? And the what? The what? What's in the box? <laughs> we used Wasn't to that, play uh, John Lithgow. Mm-hmm. Was that uh, Harry and the Hendersons? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Josh and I and our friend Andrew used to play acoustic shows, and we called our band A Rascal. Mm-hmm. And then we always had to explain to people. They were like, what does that mean? It's like, no, just a singular. The three of us <laughs> only make up one singular rascal. <laughs> just A <laughs> Rascal. Band names uh, that you have to explain are probably bad, bad names. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, we were huge in Belgium. That's true. That's true. Belgium. Nice. It's like the Oneaters. <laughs> ah, yes. The Oneaters. As in, I wonder whatever happened to the Oneaters. Yeah. <laughs> I live in my heart, Mad Damon. Yeah, oh, my God. I wish I, it was some oral history of Born something, Born Supremacy or Ultimatum. I have to find it now. I got to uh, send you that, uh, that performance of Cream. Because... Uh, <laughs> He stops every once in a while because, you know, it's got that call and response thing. He's like, you're so fine, fine, everything you do. There was a guy at uh, Page High School. We'd sit down for lunch. I think we were like freshmen at the time. And he was like, I don't know, junior, senior or something like that. Sit down at the end of the table. And um, and he would, uh, I don't know if he, I don't know what he was 
putting his mayonnaise on or whatever but every time he he took out the mayonnaise and started like uh putting it on he was like cream get on (laughs) cream that's hilarious i think brian has the deepest voice i've ever heard in my entire life he does pretty deep until Rennie Harlan. Oh my God, Rennie Harlan. God, he sounded like he was sub-audible at some times. Yeah, man, Rennie Harlan. I did, was not expecting that voice at all. It like rumbles your soul. Yeah, man. Oh my God. <laughs> Plus he's got I'll that s- delightful Finnish accent. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll sit on a subwoofer with him talking anytime. That's right. Jeremy, <laughs> I hate that you missed that, man. That was... Oh, I I can't wait to listen to it. It sounds awesome. That's a semi reference to uh, private parts where Howard Stern makes a girl get get off by like, uh, by like, uh, like doing it, doing some real deep voices in the microphone. And she goes, he goes, she, she calls in saying, I have trouble having uh, orgasms or whatever. It's like, oh, I, I know exactly the thing. And, uh, I, I can do this for you. I want you to, I want you to find, yeah, find a subwoofer in your house, and then I will talk directly. I will, I will make you come, and uh, and so she sits on the subwoofer, and he just starts doing all this. And she's like, "Oh, Howard!" <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. That movie's ridiculous with the nudity, man. It's like, it's like, it's like. Any woman that shows up on screen, except for uh, Mary McCormick's getting naked. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the the one when he was in D.C. or Detroit or something <laughs> like that, that invited him back, uh, he and Fred back to her place, and she got in the bathtub. Oh, and he's yeah, like, no, yeah. I can't do it. I'm married. And Fred's just like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> <He> yeah. Just, <laughs> the very next scene, he's like, he's like, uh and we went to see her uh, movie last night. What'd you think about it? And he goes, I was very moved. <laughs> <laughs> I used to listen on my commute, uh, when I had satellite every day, mm-hmm. um, like pretty much from the very beginning when he moved to satellite and it was, it was delightful. It's fun. Um, mm. his interviews have always been spectacular. He is, one of the best interviewers I think He's I've ever heard. Clearly one of the best. Cause he doesn't care about, you know, what they feel about a certain thing or there's nothing off limits or anything. I, I, I ironically, just the very morning I saw a Howard Stern clip where he was talking to Tim Burton and then why the Superman movie never happened and everything. Oh really? Mm. Yeah. Wow. And just hearing him talk about that. I mean, just, I was sitting there watching Howard Stern, just the way he was at, he'd ask these questions and it's, he always asks a question in a way that, doesn't sound judgy. Doesn't sound. Mm-hmm. He just says, "Hey, what happened to the Superman movie?" Like I really wanted to see that. So why don't you tell me? And it's not like it's some super personal thing for Tim Burton mm-hmm. to talk about Superman, but I'm sure that there are people who are like, "I don't want to touch that." There still was a lot of problems with that. Tim Burton said something to the effect of, "You know, you can't even make a movie these days without the because these studios are corporations." And they want to, they want to uh, do the character. They want to uh, come up with the toys first instead of the story and everything mm. like that. And it's like, you know, we had a thing with McDonald's for Batman Returns, and uh, they uh, they McDonald's thought that movie was way too dark. 
uh, for the <laughs> um, uh, fair. And, uh, yeah, that so, is fair. I think they had a McDonald's thing for the first Batman, though. I don't know. I don't remember. They had something like one of the fast food things. I kind of miss that. You remember when they gave uh, was it Burger King that had the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas watches? Uh, when mm, when I that movie came out, I never got it. I just like that, so I don't remember. I was a I'm just a sucker for those the uh, custom. They were plastic, so bad for the environment. But they used to do custom, you know, 32 ounce large drink cups for like Demolition Man at Taco Bell, and like, and I used to drink iced tea out of those cups all the time at home. And so I collected all these different movies. And before that, when I was a kid, you could get you could collect like four glass. Star Wars cups at McDonald's or Muppets glasses. Mm-hmm. They used to have some really cool shit. I don't you still think have do them uh, Demolition Man glasses? Oh, God, no. No, I don't have any of that shit. <laughs> That'd be fucking great, though. That would be rad if I did. <laughs> They're really probably on I eBay did. for $300 a piece. Now. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> the Nightmare Before Christmas watches uh, are pretty expensive to get now. They were free with a... Happy Meal or whatever it was, whatever the Burger King version of a Happy Meal is. Yeah, the problem now is if they did anything like that, they would have like melees in the store. Like, have you seen what Target had to stop selling those fucking Pokemon trading cards because they had riots in the store, people like fighting Mm -hmm. over new packs, and that's what would happen. That's why we don't have that anymore. This is why we can't have nice things. (laughs) Yes, they've realized uh, they're smarter than we are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i thought i thought boy he's really getting right into it man he's not wasting any time today. <laughs> that's awesome uh, met ali he said i'm the greatest <laughs> i got the fever for a flavor of a oh, i fucking know that i don't know that song crowd please <laughs> George and Wheezy. I like Will Smith. He's a great rapper, man. I I, I don't like his later songs. I like getting jiggy with it, but I hate Mm -hmm. Miami. Mm -hmm. But he's uh, Mm -hmm. he's got a great flow. Yeah. Very weird. Very weird. He's always he's like he's the summer guy, man. He's got always always got the summer jam. Like the summertime. The temperature is about eighty eight. <laughs> I'm gonna have to uh, move a cat to another room. So let me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right back. Oh, Sometimes awesome. you gotta move a cat. Sometimes you just gotta move a cat.